0: Hello everyone, this is Ryan Heyman from the Cannon Rents Podcast, and welcome to the end of the year show, where we, a few of our team members anyways, uh, take a look back at some of the games that we played this year. Not only games that have come out this year, but just games that we've gotten around to within the last 365 days. Uh, Thank you very much for joining us throughout 2016, we hope that you'll continue to join us in the coming year. Now let's go ahead and get started, I'll throw on over to
1: Leon, who will talk you through some of his gaming favorites from 2016 so i'll try to make this not just a list of, of games leon reading out lists of games um is something i've been uh, picked up on in the past before going back many years in podcasting uh, i'll try to make the wet stuff wetter uh, if the dry stuff is dry i apologize sometimes i do lean on that because i find sort of facts and stats and uh, things interesting now obviously we do Kane and Rince. We do 50 podcasts a year. I present normally more than half of those, maybe around two thirds. And we have a brilliant, wonderful, but hectic schedule of completing games. And obviously, this year uh, there's a forum thread, slash forum. I will. Keep inserting plugs even in podcasts like this, where many of our community uh, keep a record of the games they've finished throughout uh, each year. This has been going on for five years now, I guess. And so I can see that uh, this year I've completed all of the Zelda games um, from Zelda 2. Obviously, I finished the first one at the back end of 2015, all the way through to Phantom Hourglass at the start of December. So I've got uh, a number of Zelda games under my belt. Um, only one of which was actually released in 2016, and even that was a re-release. That was Twilight Princess HD. I'm not going to tell you how I felt about all of those because, obviously, you can go to our podcasts, uh, Kane Rince podcasts, the relevant issues of those. Uh, and we also did the Doom series earlier this year. So in the run-up to the release of Very Doom, the 2016 game, we played Doom and Doom 2 and uh, and Doom 3. And it's uh, add-on Resurrection of Evil. And one of the games I have enjoyed from 2016 has been the new Doom. Very Doom. Doom 2016. Call it what you will. I have uh, I picked this up after the run of Kane and Rinse Podcasts ended. And uh, actually, I had played it briefly when I got it for my birthday back in the summer. But yes, now I've played through. I'm sort of 85% of the way there, maybe 90%. A couple of levels to go. Uh, and as uh, I think you'll have heard from many other podcasts and many reviews, uh, I had, I've i had a really good time with it. It's, uh, it's one of those odd things in that if you just purely describe it, it does just sound like any other Doom game, any other first-person shooter, any corridor shooter as they were sometimes known back in the day, a Doom clone. And it's been confusing playing it after Doom 3 because my brain is actually thinking back, uh, having played that game back in March, to certain areas and segments because this is effectively another reboot remake of Doom as Doom 3 was really um, there are some real strong similarities but it's also a fantastic illustration I think of how the genre the first person shooter genre has come on such a lot in even the time between Doom 3 and and this Doom in 10 years or so um, obviously the intent is different this Doom is far more about uh, heart-pounding visceral action whereas Doom 3 was more about uh, sort of jump scares, monster closets and jump scares. It had a more survival horror sort of tilt whereas Doom 2016 is is a shooter and does not really go out of its way to scare the player at all. Um, but it's I find it incredibly slick and some of the decisions that uh, the level designers have made and the, and the mechanics designers have made just seem to make it endlessly playable. It's one of those games where you go into a new combat arena, uh, which is sort of what this game is based around, um, entering new areas and then fighting all the the, the, the monsters within. Uh, it kind of takes it back in some ways to that sort of the idea we were talking about Doom effectively being sort of a 3D gauntlet in some ways that's what this is again and it takes you back in time in ways like not having iron science not having a reload button and all this sort of stuff and 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 you think that might make it too simple for all that but it's the risk reward stuff like the fact that you can uh you can get enemies to spew out armor or health depending on the way in which you kill them it's the balance of the weapons it's the behavior of the enemies uh and all that fun stuff. Uh, there are there are plenty of reviews out there singing the game's praises. Uh, as I say, I haven't finished finished the final boss yet, which I, I hear is uh, a challenging, if uh, but fun, um, but entertaining final boss. So uh, that gets a big thumbs up from me. Talking about Gauntlet, a uh, bit a of, bit of a stretch, this, but uh, I was very much looking forward to Alienation, which is uh, the game by Housemark, who. Uh, made Dead Nation the twin-stick zombie shooter and Resogun which remains possibly my favourite PlayStation 4 exclusive game uh, even though I got it on launch day as a PS Plus title and it came out with the console Uh, I still play it I still love it Uh, Alienation I enjoyed to a point but found it a little disappointing in that it leans very heavily on Diablo mechanics that is to say leveling up to the point it's really all about the level that you are as to as to how how far you progress it's not a skillful twin stick shooter in the way that something like geometry wars or even dead nation was to an extent it's far more based around uh stats and perks and things like that so it's still fundamentally you know enjoyable to play but um there's less uh sort of there's less compulsion for me i found to continue to to return to it Um, i still have hell divers to play uh, which obviously conceptually is almost identical but I think perhaps uh, is a bit more it's a bit more of a uh, a gamey game in the sense of it being uh, twitch and mechanics rather than kind of heavily stats focused uh, but I imagine that for some people alienation would be would be a more enjoyable experience people who like you know uh, building up their character in that way and that sort of thing two of the games I've played the most this year uh, are games that first came out many years ago uh, particularly Spelunky uh, which is even the HD version is pretty old now but uh, that's like almost a daily fix for me uh, we did a podcast about that but I still haven't finished the game I came really close recently to dropping that uh, that final boss the giant statue into the lava when I was showing it to a friend who'd also played the game and wanted some kind of tips and I had my best ever run but uh, still didn't quite make it um, I'm clearly not very good uh, but the other one that I play almost daily if I can is a a quick run of uh, Binding of Isaac and the Afterbirth add-on came out for PS4 this year adding once again a ton of new challenge and content and items and bosses and all that stuff. Uh, I really, really like that game. It does keep on giving. Sometimes it's annoying, frustrating if you get a bad build or a bad run. It can be a little uh, irksome but some days it you just uh, you, I, I just find myself sort of rev- reveling in its um, in its elegance of design and gnarly sort of audio-visual aesthetic there's quite a few games every year I can't go through everything which I pl- uh, I play um, you know just for a few hours uh, and some of the notable games in that regard would be Forza Horizon 3 and No Man's Sky and Pac-Man Championship Edition 2 and Rhythm Paradise Megabix, Star Fox Zero, obviously, and also, you know, one acquires games, buys and acquires as presents. Uh, I should say I'm not uh, somebody who... uh, I don't go seeking review codes. We occasionally get sent stuff through, uh, offered to us, but we don't um, seek it out. It's not relevant to Kane and Rince because we don't cover new games. I can tell you uh, Stats fans That uh, I acquired uh, According to my Nerdy spreadsheet 274 games this year Now that's including Freebies on PlayStation Plus On Games with Gold uh, Origin Uplay All these services uh, Throwing games at you To the point that I have only spent £975 On video games Throughout the year Uh, Now so this is With Christmas still to come It's the 17th of December On the time of recording I believe I believe I, I've, I've got wind that I may be receiving such delights as Dishonored 2 and a Pokémon Moon for Christmas, among others. I'm also very excited. I'm getting uh, the PS4 version of Battle Garega, which is M2's conversion of the legendary Saturn uh, and arcade shoot 'em up. Uh, so I'm not counting those, but yeah. So so far, my spend on video games in uh, this year it's an average of three pounds fifty six pence per item now obviously that includes a lot of older stuff some stuff that I'll probably never touch and and that sort of thing but really it does show that if you're smart and you're savvy uh, people who complain about the prices of video games really should probably shut the hell up Um, if you use bundles and okay that doesn't include the 80 quid uh, for PS Plus and gold so you could add that on as well Um, but that still obviously only adds on another um, I don't know 50p a game if that uh, less than that, probably. So uh, it's very possible to amass uh, an unfeasibly large collection of video games that you'll never have time to play without without spending 55 quid on every new release because, yeah, there's just no need. And as we've seen with things like Titanfall recently and even Battlefield 1, they plummet in price if you can wait the first few weeks. There's no need. There's no need to spend top dollar. Uh, although we all do sometimes. I think the games I bought this year when they were new Um, some of them I've touched some of them I haven't so uh, I bought Overwatch when it was quite new and I've probably played about 10 hours of that which I've enjoyed but there are far better qualified people to tell you about that game I bought XCOM 2 when it was new I don't know why I just wanted to have it I have yeah I, I shouldn't have done probably. Um, and yes now we're at the point of, uh, of the year where I I picked up Uncharted 4 when it was fairly new for 35 pound thinking what a bargain and of course now it's been in sales for, for sort of half that. So uh, even even with the, with the budgeting that I've done, I still could have done better in that respect. Um, yeah, it was always always pays to be prudent. Um, So back to my uh, list of games I have received, bought and played. Pro Evolution Soccer 2017. So this has been the year after many uh, vaunted years where PES was going to overtake FIFA in people's uh, football gamers affections. This has been the year where I've so far, we're now two or three months into the release of PES 2017 and FIFA 17. I got FIFA 17 installed on my Xbox One S. So I do have that. I'm planning on playing through the journey story mode uh, over the christmas period but i have played a ton of pez master league um i found the online mode pretty awful for the most part um both in terms of the way people play and the online performance although it has improved however the master league uh yeah this is the first time i've favored prevo over fifa for a decade uh and once i finish recording this i will be Heading back to it for uh, to try to get my Brighton side promoted out of the championship, just like in real life. Uh, Inside is a game that got a lot of uh, notices. I bought it and played it when it was brand new as a, uh, an Xbox One exclusive, which only lasted a couple of months. Uh, I found it uh, thoroughly enthralling. I played it in one four hour session um, from 10pm uh, at night to 2am in the morning. And that worked really well. Uh, I went back to it once to uh, hoover up the secrets. I used a guide for that, I'll be honest. Uh, But I found the game, yeah, enthralling, intriguing. And the end, the denouement of the game is truly memorable. Uh, How people respond to the very end seems to vary. And I'm still not sure exactly what I made of it. Uh, If and when we ever cover it on the Kane and Rince podcast, I will replay it and see how I feel about it then. The My Nintendo catalogue, uh, that the whole thing was relaunched this year, and obviously there's tie-ins with Tomo and now Super Mario Run. I was really hoping for more of the likes of My Nintendo Picross, The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. When the game first, uh, when, the, when the service first relaunched and Twilight Princess came out, this um, redeemable version of Picross, uh, which you know, Nintendo has made dozens and dozens of versions of this, going all the way back to the Game Boy it's a it's a classic puzzle formula. And there's a there's also a, a recent Pecross three D Two, which is probably the highest rated highest reviewed game on three DS all year, I would think, slightly ahead of even Pokemon Sun and Moon. But yeah, my Nintendo P The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, I ended up playing it for seventeen hours, and it cost me however much it was like a you know, a thousand Nintendo debris of the various uh, currencies that you can earn by doing different things on my Nintendo. So that was a bit of a highlight and again, uh, a game that I got 17 hours out of and s- effectively cost me no money. Uh, Res was re-released as Res Infinite. I played it through again for the gazillionth time. I've done it before multiple times on PS2 and Xbox Live Arcade. There's really not much if yeah if you don't have psvr which i don't i'm not hugely interested in getting although i'm keen to try it if you already have the xbla version of res there's really not that much reason to buy res infinite the area x which apparently is uh, astonishing jaw-dropping gobsmacking in vr is mildly diverting in non-vr and the rest of the game is pretty much as it was on 360 that is to say still amazing uh, and I suspect it looks and sounds, you know, as good, if not better than ever. But uh, one of the, they dropped a massive ricket. And I'd love it if I'd, someone would now say, oh, they've patched it back in. But this doesn't have proper online leaderboards. It has one score per stage. So one of the key reasons for playing Res as a score attack game was uh, ripped out of Res Infinite with its focus on other things. But maybe that's changed on a similar tip. Uh, one game that I did play, uh, buy and play as soon as it was released but haven't got further than level 3 is Thumper. Now I really really enjoyed level 1 and 2 to the extent that I kept replaying them and trying to beat my scores, uh, but I haven't really progressed further than that, obviously I will go back to it. I haven't played it in VR again of course, uh, but as a uh dark rhythm horror violence whatever they called it um, game I, th- I, th- I th- think it's excellent um, fantastic audio visual feedback and we have uh, a quick rinse a review and an interview with the creators all on canerince.com so uh, we went large on that one for various reasons one reason and another and worked out really well Street Fighter 5 I was quite excited about because it's more Street Fighter although to be honest I hadn't really felt that I'd ever fully explored and finished Ultra Street Fighter 4 which I was playing on the ps4 right up until this came out uh, I bought this early and uh, I think yeah it's well documented that the version we got was uh, less than optimal in terms of the features it had and its performance and stuff at the beginning and uh, I've played a lot of, or a lot, a fair amount of single player and not a lot of online because I feel intimidated because I don't know the systems of the game well enough yet. Uh, but I'm in for the long haul. I've bought the season pass. I'm going to pony up again next year um, and it may be that I sort of effectively come to it late but it's, yeah, I, th- I feel like it's a game that, that is fundamentally wicked to play. An awesome fighter um, and its rep was tainted by the way it was released rather than any reflection on the quality of the game itself and as with Capcom Fighters it will just get better and better as it goes along uh, finally on the games that I've actually got really much to say about uh, Titanfall 2 uh, I bought the PC version uh, when I could find the first time I could find a relatively cheap code around the 30 quid mark so far I've uh, played through the single player and as widely reported I had a lot of fun with it a lot of the ideas in it which some people were kind of blown away by we have seen in other things it it, it has great um Throwbacks to concepts that we've seen in games like Portal and Singularity, uh, Mirror's Edge, Half Life. Not all games that I love, I don't love Mirror's Edge, for instance, but I think, you know, wide, wide, widely those games would be considered decent things to look back and take influence from. And Titanfall 2 keeps it all together very well. I've, I, personally, I found the, the sort of very generic, bog standard AAA uh, plot characters and voice acting completely forgettable. Um, I did not feel. I know some people said that they actually found themselves emotionally invested, but but I didn't. And um, without, I won't do spoilers on this show. But some of the story beats that I think was supposed to be that make you emotionally invested were completely undermined in quick time. So, yeah. Um, but I had, I had a huge amount of fun playing the single player, which was a, an unexpected bonus because I didn't want or need a single player in Titanfall Two. Having loved Titanfall the original um, and uh, we covered that on the podcast this year as well uh, we loved it and we also had David on from uh, the computer game show by the way listeners well you probably worked this all out but I think maybe some people from the computer game show haven't uh, all the beef that we uh, all the stick that we give each other on Twitter and that between the computer game show and Kane and Rince is entirely tongue-in-cheek uh, we're friends with all those guys, and they are friends with all of us, and that's <laughs> that's the end of it. But we have this sort of, uh, they are our naughty little bl- brother, or or uh, or like a, we we're taking the Mick out of ourselves, being all s- superior and sophisticated, and taking the Mick out of them, being uh, simple and stupid. When of course neither is really true. Uh, yeah, I, I I just wanted to say that because <laughs> a few people seem to start to take take it seriously um, uh, even if we had serious beef with another podcast it wouldn't be me going on Twitter and saying uh, I wouldn't be going on Twitter and calling a podcast that I actually didn't like a run of the mill banter cast for example but you know that I just wanted to say it so yeah there's a whole host of other games that I did pick up this year that I haven't played enough to talk about I don't don't like ranking things you know chalk and cheese um, I, don't, I wouldn't say I really had a favourite right now I'm feeling affectionate of the games that were released this year most affectionate towards Doom and Provo 2017 but that could change over time and there's loads of games that I've got that I haven't played enough to really um, talk about with any authority Odin Sphere Life Brassia was another great birthday present I played uh, one session of uh, lo- uh, local co-op Overcooked and it was wonderful so that's another uh, recommendation for that I guess Um But yeah, uh, I couldn't tell you if it's been like a great year for gaming sort of objectively. I don't know if that's even possible to do. Um, But uh, but there it is. That's my 2016. Uh, Obviously, next year we're continuing with our Zelda series and the rest of the podcasts haven't been announced yet. But suffice to say, I've got my work cut out keeping up with the schedule once again. So I hope you've enjoyed this ramble. Very rambly and uh, look forward to speaking to you all again in 2017.
2: I always have a tough time with end-of-year lists because I don't tend to play games in a timely fashion. I buy them in a timely fashion, nearly without fail, but they often end up sitting on my shelf in an ever-growing pile for that mythical day when I finally have time to play them all. So, yeah, I've missed out on a few things this year. Dave Ex and Dishonored are still sitting in their wrapping. I never made it to Uncharted 4, and even Dark Souls 3 is sadly untouched. Perhaps most shocking, to me anyway, is that I haven't even started Final Fantasy XV yet. This isn't to say that I don't play a lot of games. I do, whenever I have the time. This year has brought some changes though, and although they're good changes, a new job, and becoming part of Cain and Rinse. One reduces my available time, and the other often redirects me towards replaying old favorites or discovering new games that I skipped over years ago. I wouldn't trade either of them, but they do have a distinct effect on my gaming habits. So rather than one big list, I have two mini lists. The first is my favorite three games that I played in 2016 that actually came out in 2016. Yes, I do have that many at least. And the other is my favorite three that I played in 2016 that came out before then. Well before, perhaps. We'll see. Number three, Pokemon Moon. I love Pokemon. And after getting dangerously obsessed with Pokemon Go in the middle of the year, just like everybody else, I was absolutely ready for a full game by the time Moon came out just a few weeks ago. I haven't quite finished it yet, but it's keeping me entertained on my long commute every day, and I may or may not have already acquired a plush Litten to sit on my desk at work. Don't judge me. I'm an adult. Number two. Inside. This was a surprise. One that, even more so than Undertale, which I'm going to speak about later, spoilers, I don't want to spoil. All I'll say is that Inside was short, impactful, and disturbing. If you can play it all in one sitting, I'd recommend that. I think it took me two, but they were in the same day, and I wouldn't have wanted to split it up more than that. It's an experience definitely worth having. And number one. Tokyo Mirage Sessions, Sharp F.E. Persona 5 was, at one time, supposed to come out this year. I didn't have much hope for that, but April is still a long time from now, and Tokyo Mirage Sessions filled that place in my heart admirably. It's got a lot of Persona in its DNA, mixed with even more J-pop than you get from a typical JRPG, which is already a lot. The battle system was fun, the characters were colorful and unique, and sometimes creepy. Hi, Barry. And the story was... Well, it was a JRPG story, no doubt about that. Whether you think that's good or bad is really up to you. This game certainly isn't going to convert anyone to the genre, but if you have a Wii U and you like Persona-esque titles, this is a good one to go for. Until Persona 5, obviously. And now, the older games. Number three, spoilers, Undertale. Undertale didn't come out too long before 2016, but it still technically fits the category, so here it is. I knew a bit about this game before I played it, but not too much, and I think that's a good thing. It's funny, and it's touching, and it sort of fills that whole frog fractions role of starting out on one note while ending up on a complete other. I don't want to say too much in case people haven't played it, but if you're at all interested, it's worth the time. Number 2. Dark Souls 2. I played the first Dark Souls for the first time last year, and I think a year is about the right amount of time for me to leave in between these games. They're amazing, but man, they're draining. I think putting so much into them is what makes playing them so rewarding to me, but I still wouldn't want to play two of them back to back, which is also why I haven't played Bloodborne yet either. At least one of those is guaranteed for 2017 though, I promise. I never did finish the DLC either, although I did spend a lot of time yelling at it. Screw you, Alana. Number one, The Legend of Zelda The Minish Cap. Zelda is why I'm with and Rince in the first place, so I suppose it's only right that one of them gets the top mention here. I'm not just sucking up though, I actually hadn't played Minish Cap before this year, and it turned out to be among my favorite entries of the series, somewhat unexpectedly. There's a whole show on that though, you should check it out! So those are some of my personal standouts from 2016. 2017 will likely hold some of the things I missed this year, and the year before that, and the year before that, but I'm sure it'll hold some surprises and some new games too. So happy holidays, and I hope Santa brings you the game you really want.
3: Hello everyone, Josh here, speaking to you via my brand new Yeti mic. Paid for by all you lovely people donating to our Patreon page. Uh, Thank you very much. I will now sound considerably better going into Volume 6. And on any sound of plays, I end up going on. So thank you very much. so, 2016 was a really great year for video games. Um, I rather stupidly predicted that there was no way 2016 could be as good a year as 2015. Because 2015 was a great year too. Um, we had, you know, games like The Witcher 3 and Bloodborne, you know, some of my favorite games of all time came out that year. And yet, 2016 was another really great year. Um, We had a lot of classic um, series returning to form, um, such as Doom and Hitman. Um, We had some newcomers that really took the industry by storm, like um, Overwatch, Um, and also there's a noticeable increase in um, the diversity of characters that are featuring in games now. Um, Overwatch is kind of the great example of that. And I appreciate that a lot of the characters in that game are, you know, big over-the-top caricatures, but it's just so great to play a first-person shooter with an equal split of genders, um, people of multiple nationalities, of multiple races. Um, it's really great, and and you know, Overwatch is essentially, um, you know, Team Fortress Two for the modern age. And you compare the two games, you have Overwatch's cast and then you have um, Team Fortress 2 which is a bunch of guys and only one of them is black, so we've come a long way in that regard. Um, and Overwatch wasn't the only one, um, Watch Dogs 2 had a really diverse cast as well, um, it's just great to see um, you know, the industry trying to break out of this straight white guy um, cage that we've built for ourselves. and. Yeah, and you know, the world doesn't look like a particularly bright place um, with the politics that went on during 2016, um, and I'm, you know, as scared as anyone of the far right that's um, gaining power in Europe and in in America. Um, and so it's just encouraging to see that even if our politics is failing us, um, Our artists aren't, Um, video game creators are trying to um, make the world feel a little bit safer and a little bit more secure, and uh, and I hope that um, that continues. Um, So I don't like to just focus on games that came out in 2016 with the games I choose to talk about, Um, so I've made a little list of games that I completed this year. ...but uh, didn't necessarily come out this year. Um, Some of which I played for the podcast, some of which I just played because I wanted to. Um, Yeah, so let's just start. Um, First of all, uh, Alien Isolation... um, ...I think is... ...one of the most heartfelt love letters to a film um, I've ever experienced... Um, the attention to detail in Alien: uh, Alien: Isolation is um, is really something to behold. Um, these guys, just Creative Assembly, they clearly love that first film so much, and you can see it in the decisions they've made in art direction, the use of um, you know the classic audio from both Alien and Aliens. Um, And the additions they've made to the world, um, such as the uh, Siegson androids, um, the Working Joes, they really fit into that universe and are a meaningful addition. Um, Those rubber-faced machines are just really memorable and really stick out um, as much as the alien does. And that alien is such a fantastic monster they recaptured what made that creature so terrifying in that original film and in some ways made it more scary um just the the power of immersion that comes from the first person perspective and being able to interact directly with what you're seeing on screen makes this creature so much more threatening than just passively viewing it um, interact with characters in in Alien or Aliens. Um, it's, it's a truly terrifying experience and um, a, re- a real highlight for me. Um, I know reviews were mixed when the game uh, came out, but I, I, re- I really get the sense that um, uh, it's had a positive swing as the years have uh, gone by and I think people are really starting to appreciate how Just what a brilliant piece of um, design, um, art direction, and and all of that, that Alien Isolation is. It's just such an effective piece of horror, Um, I really adore it. Next is Castlevania Dawn of Sorrow on the DS. Um, So Symphony of the Night is like a masterpiece. um, And Castlevania Dawn of Sorrow is almost as good as uh, Symphony of the Night. There are little things that let it down. I I really don't like that I have to draw a pattern to finish off a boss battle, otherwise it just reverts back to them having a little bit of health. I don't feel like I should be punished for not being able to scribble a little drawing fast enough, but hey, I got used to it. But everything else is really fantastic it's I there's not much to say here it's just kind of Symphony of the night but more of it um, in a lot of ways and um, I had a, a huge amount of fun playing it on my commute um, it's it's a great Castlevania game um, next up is a uh, an entry from 2016 it's hitman um, wow <laughs> like <laughs> Um, I, I've always felt that Hitman was a series on the verge of greatness, and never quite reaching it. Um, the closest it came for me was Blood Money. Um, the, the you know the level design in Blood Money is amazing, but there are a few clunky things about it that kind of hold it off from being like a true classic in my eyes. Um, there will be people who disagree with me. I, I know that Blood Money is highly regarded. It's just that I, I really love parts of that game, but some other elements um, kind of put me off. Whereas this game, Hitman, it feels like they finally made like the definitive Hitman experience. Sapienza! In of itself is like one of the greatest levels ever created. The intricacy of how all these AI characters interact with each other, the kind of clockwork schedules of everyone that you have to take into account, um, and how big they are, how big the levels are, while still feeling dense and meaningful. Like there's no fat on any of these levels it's all meaningful content and an amazing little touch um, they made to this game and and I think it's something that's been missing from stealth games for a long long time, is that the AI for the security guards when you're trespassing areas don't automatically assume that you are a lethal combatant they just assume you're an idiot who um, ended up somewhere they shouldn't be and they'll guide you out of the area without opening fire and how many other stealth games has there been you know situations like that where you felt like reasonably in this situation you would have just been taken off to a room or taken out of the building or something like that but they open fire it's a small touch And this game is filled with those kind of small touches that just add to the feeling of a cohesive world that you're interacting with. Um, The opportunity system as well in Hitman, um, I think most players, once they get used to the systems in in the game, kind of try to turn them off. Um, But I think they're great for kind of getting people to understand the level, kind of, Build a layout of the map inside your mind. And then when you're feeling confident enough, you turn that stuff off and then you go into it and you kind of improvise and you try to um, go after those challenges without relying too much on the opportunity system. But it's a great addition. And this is my favorite Hitman by far. I think it's a, just such a brilliant achievement. Then we have Inside. Um... This one will be brief because um, I, I can't really talk about why Inside is great without spoiling it. But it's a great piece of visual storytelling, um, again from the people who brought us Limbo. Um, I think it's a superior work to Limbo. I think the game design is stronger, and the uh, kind of core message is a mu- much more meaningful. And I think the uh, decisions they make um, especially towards the end are really brave Um, and um, yeah I think it's just a visual um, and animation tour de force it's just a pleasure to look at Um, I won't go into any more detail with inside because I think people should just experience it for themselves but great game this is this entry's um, kind of a, a tie. Um, so this is Overwatch and Titanfall 2. because um, I want to talk about like these two multiplayer first-person shooters. Uh, of course, Titanfall 2 also has a great single-player campaign. Um, it's very inventive and creative. Personally, I think I actually prefer Doom's campaign, but I'm not going to talk about Doom in, in this podcast. But I really want to focus on um, Overwatch and Titanfall 2's multiplayer so I, I went into Titanfall 2 um, knowing that I, you know, I love the original Titanfall. I I said on the Cana Rince podcast on it that I think it's a masterpiece masterpiece of uh, multiplayer um, gaming. Um, and I was slightly worried by the beta for Titanfall 2 that they had made some changes um, that I wasn't going to agree with. Um, But now any worries uh, have gone. Titanfall 2 is the definitive Titanfall experience. Um, I think Bounty Hunt is Titanfall at its peak. Um, They've improved on one of my favorite multiplayer games of all time. It's still fantastic. And now there's a lot more variety. Um, One of the things people complained about with the original Titanfall was that the base game was great, but there wasn't much else to it now, anyone who's stuck with the original Titanfall knows that the you know the map packs they added and the new modes they experimented with was more than enough. But now that stuff is here right from the word go. Um, so we've got a huge variety of weapons. The Titan variety now is much more interesting because now it's a much more tactical decision. It's not just like light, medium, or heavy. It's um, you know, Scorch being about controlling enemy movement um and you know people like tone uh, people uh, titans like tone being real damage dealers and um titans like ronan being ambush um hunters essentially um my favorite's tone because i just nothing matches the amount of damage that guy can put out um yeah it's just if you really want my kind of detailed thoughts on Titanfall 2, go back and listen to Titanfall 1, because all my thoughts there are still relevant to this sequel. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. So you'd think um, with Titanfall 2 being the sequel to one of my favorite multiplayer games of all time, it would easily be my favorite multiplayer game of the year, but actually Um, Another multiplayer shooter came out this year called Overwatch which very much um, follows in the footsteps of uh, Team Fortress 2 like I said earlier on um, and improves on it and um, yeah uh, I can't pick which of the two I prefer, I think Overwatch and Titanfall 2 both succeed fully in their objective of being the two types of shooters that they're trying to be. Um, Overwatch being a much more class-driven multiplayer shooter about choosing um, characters that complement each other and skills that complement each other. Um, I'm playing Overwatch on uh, PC and I think the skill ceiling is a little higher Um, than the um, skill ceiling on uh, console, uh, because there are some tricks that are being pulled off, uh, especially by some snipers um, and some some of the closer-range characters that I don't think would be possible with a controller. Um, You know, uh, Widowmaker um, is really lethal on PC, um, and I haven't seen that same kind of conversation around that character on um on console um and yeah i I can't decide between these two i think they're both fantastic multiplayer shooters Titanfall two is much more chaotic and allows for some uh, much more um cinematic moments of you calling down the titan and destroying an enemy pilot or an enemy titan um flying off into the air, being able to shoot somebody while you're in the air. There's much more, um, you know, wild play going on in Titanfall 2. But Overwatch is, I think, a much more tactically interesting game, um, whereas, you know, there aren't those, like, moments that you talk about with your friends um, in Overwatch. There are those uh, those fantastic... Um, uh, moments of tactical play where you're trying to figure out what an enemy is doing with their defense and, and, and because the game encourages um, playing to the objective more so than um, you know, most multiplayer shooters out there um, there's, there's less of that kind of focus on getting a kill count, there's much more of a focus on trying to get everyone to contribute to the actual Goal, which is securing, you know, a point or um, moving the payload and stuff like that. Yeah. So I was lucky to have experienced two great multiplayer shooters this year: Overwatch and Titanfall 2, both the peak of their particular sub category of uh, multiplayer shooter. And finally, I want to talk about um, Soma, which was a game that came out last year. Um, Soma is an amazing piece of storytelling and i don't think i've played another game this year um that can quite match it in that regard a a lot of the themes it explores has been um thoroughly kind of uh dissected and and evaluated in other forms of sci-fi fiction um you know, most recently, uh, Westworld kind of deals with the idea of um, consciousness um, uh, developing from machines, um, and, you know, there's countless other sci-fi films and, and literature that deal with the same film themes that Soma does, but Soma does such a fantastic job of framing it from a different perspective, from the interactive... Um, perspective that uh, video games can uniquely provide Um, and kind of I I don't want to spoil the story for anyone who's uh, played SOMA but there are some really chilling moments um, where it plays with your concept of what consciousness is and how the human mind works and and stuff like that, and it has one of my favourite endings to any video game I've played. Um, it's really up there with the likes of Silent Hill 2 in terms of leaving you with a really chilling, thought-provoking ending. Um, I also played Amnesia this year, which is of course the game that um, uh, frictional made before Soma um, which was really uh, it's scary in a completely different way I, I think Amnesia is more scary in the traditional sense of the word but ultimately Soma was much more memorable for me because it haunted me um, and and really I, I was more scared of what was in Soma after leaving the game than I was while playing it if if that makes sense Um yeah, I, I, I really hope that um, more people go out and play this game um, because I just think what it does, it does better than um, just about anything I've played this year or the previous year for that matter. So that's it for my um, for my end of year wrap up. Um, i like to think that was a nice variety of games there. Um, And I will leave you with whoever's next on this end-of-year issue. Goodbye.
4: Hello. This is the one who you don't hear very often anymore. Darren. Just in case you did actually forget who I am. I'm going to tell you about gaming favourites of 2016. Not necessarily games from 2016. But, you know, just, just games that I enjoyed. And also I'm going to do games I didn't really... I was looking forward to but didn't really particularly excite me in terms of new releases. Um, Fallout 4, while it came out last year, was the first Fallout game I completed on New Year's Day. I don't think I should ever play RPG Zero again because I get to about 25 hours, 25 hours in and one or two things happen. I either I get impatient and I just run to the end and kind of knacker any kind of structure the game has and I end up just rushing it and not really paying attention and then just kind of being underwhelmed by it. Or like Xenoblade Chronicles 3D. I kind of just stopped playing it. What I didn't expect A, as a wedding present because I got married in January but also I didn't expect you know and B for it to be such a good game was Rainbow Six Siege. I think I put in over uh, about 100 hours of this game and it is an absolute belter. Now I know it came out last year just at the end of last year but the way um, the way Rainbow no, the way Ubisoft bounced back and responded to a lot of You know, criticisms of the game really kind of helped bolster some meat onto those skinny bones. The game is so tense and uh, to be honest, I quite struggled with it at first because it's really hardcore and if you're joining a hardcore multiplayer game after day one, you're not going to have the best of times. The thing I felt like with Rainbow Six Siege is that you can learn from your mistakes more so than most multiplayer shooters because it's so micro. Like, the games are quite long. They're all based around a tiny location, like a house or or a villa or an air, you know, like a, a, part, a portion of an airport or something like. That. It's, it's very Rainbow Six in in its level design, but the way your character moves is quite slow and ploddy, but not boring. It's all very deliberate. It's all very kind of pronounced. Is that what I mean? So you know, if you're going to climb a ladder, you better make sure that you're ready to climb a ladder. Or if you want to rappel upside down, li- literally upside down, which is what I love about it, is that it doesn't hold your hand anyway. It's like, no, you're upside down now you have to deal with the first person aspect of hanging upside down and poking your head through a tiny window in a bathroom. When I truly fell in love with Rainbow Six Siege was when I was in this kind of gym area in a house, in a basement, and I was hiding in like a utility room, a side room, and I heard this little kind of, um, one of the drones, I don't know if you've seen it, but they have like these little drones that whizz around the house. It spotted me. I didn't know what it was. Well, I knew kind of what it was, but I didn't know really, I didn't really understand the impact of what this does and to be honest, most of the other gadgets in the game. What they do and how impactful they can be to the game. So this little kind of toilet roll tube on wheels scanned me. And then I heard a couple of footsteps above me and then I got shot in the head through the floor above me. And that's when I realised that this game was you know, truly magical. There's so much tension to it. There's so much thought going into it. The hero thing, the operator thing's a little bit, you know, it's, it's alright. It's, it's better now because there's more operators, but you know, someone steals your operator, then there was moments of people being a bit of a crybaby and just like not playing. Alright mate, cheers for that. Because it's five on five and it's so player dependent that you know, it's so easily as as good as it is, the rug is easily pulled from underneath you by people being online playing computer games. So Roma 6 Siege is absolutely incredible in my eyes. It's one of the best shooters I played this year and you know that's saying something for this year because it was a great year for shooters. If there's one thing I did let it down. Was the team killing was never really addressed for me, and people always, always team killed. I just don't don't really understand it. And after I got all but three achievements in that game, I decided to put it down after you know the amount of hours I said. Other games I played, I remember playing Monument Valley, which I quite enjoyed. Um, Unravel, which I thought, yeah, it's okay. The puzzles are a little bit, little bit whiffy, little bit smelly. But to be honest, the two games I really enjoyed in February were Until Dawn and Superhot. I didn't really know what to expect from Until Dawn. And uh, me and my girlfriend, no, me and, me and my then wife, sat down and played it on one night, and we got played about three hours of it. And then before I knew it, the next night, we were sitting down to play it again, and we finished it. It was just an absolutely incredible, passive, co-op experience to have. And yeah, I don't want to really talk about it too much, because you kind of end up giving the story away. But it is what Quantic Dream should have done with their other games. It is an absolutely incredible um, sight to behold. And Super Hot's really good. It's uh, a first-person shooter, but with a twist, where you know every time you move the world moves around you and yeah it works really well um, i really want to play the vr version because that looks even better uh, in march the division came out a bit underwhelming to be honest i kind of like the premise and the idea of like a destiny style shooter with the rainbow six note the tom clancy theme i do like the tom clancy kind of aesthetic and style because it's quite serious but this game i wasn't a fan of the bullet sponges uh, quantum break came out in april <laughs> And then I played Ratchet & Clank the remake, which I really, really liked. Um, I kind of wish it was out at Christmas time, because I do enjoy a Ratchet & Clank game over Christmas, but yeah, Ratchet & Clank on the PS4, the remake is, and you know, it came out at a budget prize. Um, But I don't really know why, because it felt full-fledged. It was kind of short, but so. Some games are. And then three days after that, Star Fox Zero, which I've only played once through, but I really enjoyed it other than the Chicken Walker. I don't understand why the game gets so much hate. Now, the controls are you know typical Nintendo how to ruin a game by having rubbish controls um, but I thought they were alright I thought you know it's, it's a decent game like it's just it's just a Star Wars game I've played worse um, but the game that's dominated most of my thoughts on video games throughout 2016 is Doom you now we've all banged on about Doom since it came out oh, but it's so good like it's unbelievably good and you know there's so many places for you to get a more in-depth opinion on Doom but the feeling you get when you're running around at that speed, with that music and just all those weapons, it is exactly what an id-game should be, apart from the multiplayer, which was trying to be Halo, you know, it was just going for that Halo thing of only two guns, that they kind of fluffed the multiplayer for me. And I know they've changed it a bit to have some more, you know, well, just have deathmatch on its own, rather than team deathmatch only. You're like, what are you doing? Dangerous Golf come out, I've played it on, right on my birthday, June the 9th, finished it then, really enjoyed it even if it was slightly underwhelming. Um, I remember me and Alex Ward of Three Fields having a bit of a Twitter barney after I gave him some constructive criticism about his game. I said, I like it, mate. Here's what's wrong. And he bit me head off a little bit. And then, lo and behold, they've updated it many times with some of the fixes that I mentioned. Oh! Oh, it's funny, isn't it? You should give that a shot. I mean, they, they dropped the price on it so quick. It was in a humble bundle for, like, well, it doesn't matter how much it is. You could probably You could probably walk along a street and find enough change to have bought that Humble Bundle at one point, uh, which is ridiculous. And then July came along and we were due for a baby, which happened. And you know, this is where my gaming time reduces drastically. But I played Excitebots through. Uh, It is amazing. (laughs) It's actually out on Virtual Console now, so you should check that out if you're up for a really, really weird game. And then I played through Life is Strange, which was really, really fun. You know, I I say fun, you know, it's really, really enjoyable. I really enjoyed the story and you know that kind of choose-your-own-adventure game about a girl in a school. Really good. Yeah. I played Uncharted 4, which I didn't like. It looked amazing, but um just weren't feeling it. I don't know why. Well, no, I didn't know why. I just think, the, the, I think it's boring now. I think that game has kind of run its course for me and I wasn't interested. So I finished that and I moved on to AM2R, another Metroid 2 remake, which was absolutely incredible. Metroid is still an invaluable series and then we moved on to grow up which is a really good sequel to grow home i don't know why people had little grow ups with it because well it wasn't an open world it was just a world you could explore more it's just like just because it had ubisoft on the front cover people would like to see an openish world and kind of go oh, not again i thought it was really good like some really good um, interesting mechanics added onto it and you know who doesn't love collecting those crystals and then i played Paper Mario Color Splash Game starts off really well And then over time It slowly becomes More and more like Sticker Star And ends up being A 30 hour chore I'll be honest Like the end of it To me was just like oh, Okay Let's just have this Over and done with Like I don't understand I don't understand How the Paper Mario franchise Has become so obtuse And obscure um, I played Rhythm Paradise Mega Mix Which if you've never Played a Rhythm Paradise Game before You're going to get it Most of all of it Up until this point In one game And if you like Prepping a rapper room Man any rhythm games from previous, I think you'll enjoy this. I've done a podcast on it, so if you want to check them out, you can. Um, I was a bit disappointed in the fact they didn't have, really have a lot of new content, but it's on the box, it says Mega Mix, you know, you, you kind of knew what to expect. So other disappointments for me were Overwatch. I love those games, but Overwatch on Xbox One just didn't click, didn't really get it. The, the battles always felt completely unbalanced, and that's not what i come to expect from Team Fortress 2 style games. Everyone seemed to love it and I just felt like a little loner in the corner, just crying. Trackmania Turbo for me was a bit of a disappointment as well. Anyway, sorry about that. Bored you a bit, did I? So yeah.
0: Yeah, 2016 was an interesting year in games. It wasn't quite 2015 for me, but there was still a lot that I ended up uh, really liking. Um, before I get to my list of games that I want to talk about, I wanted to give some kind of honorable mentions to games that I didn't have a chance to play, <laughs> but uh, I really want to just to kind of give a sense of the scope of what this year held for us. Uh, so my list here, I have The Witness, Firewatch, Unravel, XCOM 2, Layers of Fear, Project Cross Zone 2, Street Fighter 5, Fire Emblem Fates, Stardew Valley, Salt and Sanctuary, Poken Tournament, Hot, Very Doom, Overwatch, Guilty Gear, Exurd, Revelator, Odin Sphere, SteamWorld Heist, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, Monster Hunter Generations, Paper Mario Color Splash, Owl Boy, Dishonored 2, and The Last Guardian, and those are just the ones that I didn't have the time to get to yet. It's kind of incredible how much good quality content we have just kind of constantly being layered on us. So I want to talk in more detail about uh, just three games and if you're listeners to uh, Pixels Weekly, I did an appearance there where I'm going to be talking about roughly the same games, but I hope that I'll be able to bring at least a little bit of something new to it. Uh, first of all, I wanted to talk about Pitcross 3D Round 2, which, as much as I love going on big, sprawling adventures and uh, kind of fully immersing myself in a game world, there's absolutely nothing wrong with going to just a simple puzzle game that's just presented really well. It's a kind of all-encompassing package of what you could want a 3D Picross game to be. Its puzzles are clever, the difficulty curve is tuned just right, its music is surprisingly a lot better than it actually needs to be. It has an incredible soundtrack uh, with some music that I listen to during work and, you know, just, uh, it, it's excellent background music. But yeah, for such simple puzzles, it's just so immediately gratifying to pick up and play when you have a movie on in the background or, or something else going on, it's just a really nice kind of half-of-your-attention type of game. And what I really like about it is you use the stylus to swivel this object all around and tap its various cubes and stuff, and it, it just has like such a real tactile feel to it. You do feel like you're kind of uh, kind of chiseling out this image within this 3D block, It's a lot different than the 2D Picross games, which I also only came to this year uh, with the uh, My Nintendo Twilight Princess Picross game, whatever they call it. Picross 3D scores you entirely differently than those other ones in which you could make a mistake and kind of screw yourself over for the rest of the match. Uh, In this one, your mistakes are counted as strikes against you, but it does tell you when you've gotten something wrong, otherwise it would be pretty much entirely unsolvable uh, which ended up really really helping to get the highest ranking on one of the puzzles you'd usually have to get two mistakes or fewer and so it was like just punishing enough to where you wouldn't want to just guess in any circumstance but it was just enough of a safety net to where you never found yourself completely dead-ending yourself in a puzzle uh, it's just an incredibly appealing package and it gives a ton of content just so many hundreds of puzzles i was uh, i was very surprised by just how long the game kept going on and on and that's not a complaint uh, whereas something like a rpg sometimes i get a little uh, frustrated when it gets long in the tooth but with something like picross 3d i'm i'm very happy to have that much content uh, i did end up 100%ing that game uh, which is not something that i really ever strive to do <laughs> Um, But I did feel good about that, getting all the rainbow gems on all of the puzzles, including the amiibo puzzles. Which are some of the hardest, but also they're a lot of fun. Moving right along to something completely different, I wanted to talk a little bit more about Hitman. This is definitely one of my favorite games of the year. Because I've always been terrible at stealth games, because I just find it really difficult to gauge whether an enemy can see you or not. Uh, You know, hiding behind walls and try to position yourself behind, but you have just a couple of pixels that are sticking out and the guard sees you and they all immediately start shooting at you and there's only been a couple of uh, stealth games that I've really fully gotten along with in the past, Uh, probably the best of which being Mark of the Ninja. But I've really loved Hitman because it's less of a hiding game and more of a just blending in game, which I find so immediately appealing. You know, if you want to get into a restricted space, just dress as somebody who is allowed to be there, which is, I think, so much cooler than, you know, sneaking and staying in the shadows and climbing over walls and stuff. And there is still plenty of that to do in Hitman, especially if you want to go for the uh, suit-only silent assassin runs, which I've done for the first four levels, I believe. Yeah, it's, it's mostly social stealth, which I find a lot more interesting. But the levels are just really excellently laid out. There's lots of really cool easter eggs to find. It's one of the only games these days that are doing like legitimate actual old-school easter eggs. Uh, some really funny stuff in there. I think the game looks beautiful. I know there's some debate about that, but I, I really love just kind of walking around those spaces and just feeling like I'm somewhere else. Uh, is wonderful. Marrakesh is big and bustling, and I just love kind of stumbling upon stories that are unfolding in front of me. I like just following people around and listening to their phone conversations and seeing them go about their day. And it it does seem like everybody is kind of going about an actual schedule and not just kind of randomly, uh, you know, AI interacting with the world. And uh, in a way that kind of probably takes away from a sense of authenticity that you might get from something that's more of a legitimate simulation like Grand Theft Auto, but uh, I think that it makes the game a lot more interesting because it feels like it is a code waiting to be cracked. Whereas in Grand Theft Auto, if you want to pull something off, uh, you know, a particularly elaborate kind of social move, then you have to, uh, you kind of have to luck into it in a way. Whereas in Hitman, There's always that sense in the back of your mind that you could trigger some sort of chain reaction, you know, frighten somebody on one end of the map, and they, you know, run over to another end of the map and wake somebody up who goes and informs somebody else that something's happening. and, And it's always kind of in the back of your mind that there might be these elaborate sequences that the designers did actually plan out and are just kind of waiting to be found. And and it's cool to not be entirely confident that I've even found everything yet. That there's still secrets waiting to be discovered. I really appreciate how the uh, the music is composed really thoughtfully. It's really cool how it kind of ramps up the music when you get closer to your target or when you get closer to the exit. It feels so seamless, but I, I understand there must be some sort of of under-the-hood trickery going on. <laughs> and, you know, as much kind of reservation as I had about the episodic nature of the game, uh, I was very happy with my uh, with my purchase and was really happy to follow it through throughout the year and actually found that the episodic nature really worked for me in that it kind of forced me to linger on stages for that entire, like, month and a half between uh, between levels. You know, you really had the time to soak in each stage and really get to know it and revisit it dozens of times and figure out all of its secrets without having the temptation to kind of blitz through the game. And I understand that this portion of it isn't really going to be uh, useful for anybody who's playing this game in the future as the entire game is, you know, kind of unlocked and finished now, but it, it did really influence my experience with the game. And I'm uh, I'm kind of inclined to proceed in uh, in buying these season passes for all the seasons going forward, because if this first game is any indication, then we have a a long and a high quality Hitman future to look forward to. Uh, the only level that I really didn't care for was Colorado, which I felt went back towards more of the just hiding around corners type of. Uh, gameplay since everybody there was already kind of immediately hostile and there was less disguising to be done, a little bit, but I don't know. And it was just a less interesting setting. You know, I like assassinations taking place in uh, in places where assassinations aren't supposed to take place. You know, there's something cool about kind of you being in a, a crowded marketplace or a mansion or or something where somebody doesn't already suspect that it's coming you know it just feels a little bit more kind of on the nose for it to be in a war zone and yeah I just uh, I didn't go along with that level but uh, they made it up with the excellent Hakkaida level at the very end there which I am still uh, needing to go through and discover a lot of the secrets of so and then before I get to my ultimate game of the year this year I wanted to give a few kind of honorable mentions talk just very br- briefly about a few of the games that I've really appreciated playing this year. Uh, first of all, I want to give a shout to Watch Dogs 2. I've not spent enough time with it yet to really formulate an opinion, but I really love uh, kind of virtual depictions of San Francisco, as viewers of the Waypoint Travel Agency series on our uh, YouTube channel will know. <laughs> um, but So I've just been loving just walking around the city and looking at all the sights and all the little details and stuff, and it's not, you know, one-for-one one or perfect or anything, but it's it's uh, probably the best San Francisco that I've ever seen in a game. And that is saying something, actually. There have been quite a few. <laughs> uh, Pokemon Sun I've been playing a lot of this year as well, and it's been really incredible. It's really made me want to go back to all the Pokemon games that I've missed, and so I found myself ordering Pokemon Black, Black 2, and Alpha Sapphire, uh, in hopes of, and maybe this is kind of a daft conceit, of uh, filling up my Pokedex and being a Pokemon master because I haven't done that since uh, probably Gold and Silver. I bet I did that in Gold and Silver. Maybe it was just Blue that I actually got all, all, all of the Pokemon. But I, I did end up going back to um, to Diamond in hopes of kind of transferring some of my Pokemon up to uh, some of the later games and found that I had spent some 156 hours in that game or something like that and caught like all but 10 of the Pokemon that were available at that time, which I I was pretty impressed by. (laughs) Uh, The only thing that makes this goal kind of unrealistic maybe is uh, the fact that some Pokemon are only given out through events and codes that you can get from like actually going to a physical GameStop and I'm just not I don't know if I'm really willing to do that. (laughs) Uh, And so I I might, again, find myself coming like 5 or 10 short, and that's gonna be just heartbreaking, but I don't know. I'll figure something out. We're on the internet. This is an age of the free sharing of information. I'm sure I can find a code floating around there somewhere. Uh, Pony Island, I've only played a little bit of so far, but it's interesting. Uh, I don't have a full opinion yet, but um, it it seems cool in a frog-fractions kind of way. The second-year content on LEGO Dimensions has continued to be very high quality. Uh, I should say high quality in that they've made some really interesting things, but not high quality in that they've ever bug-tested it, because it's a uh, disastrous mess as far as glitchy content goes. As far as the uh, time of recording goes, the A-Team content... Is still completely unavailable. Uh, I mean, it was available for a while, but when they added the second wave of year two, they released an update which broke the A-Team open world. And so yeah, if you uh, if you bought the A-Team content, it is currently broken and it has been for probably about a couple months now, uh, which I think is uh in 2016 pretty unforgivable to sell somebody something for you know 13 dollars if you bought it full price and basically it just doesn't load it just doesn't work but other than that other than the fact that their game actually doesn't work <laughs> when you can get it working it's uh it's really good and at the amount of love and detail they put into each of these packs has been really impressive so far Uh, Going on Oxenfree. I haven't beaten it. I have played a fair amount of it. I'm enjoying it I don't have a full opinion yet, and so I will refrain from further commenting on it Um, If you are interested in playing this then uh, this is another one that I've actually really liked using the Steam controller for and It doesn't make a huge difference, but I do like using the um, Kind of trackpad things on the Steam controller to control the uh, radio dial I don't know something about it just feels kind of tactile and cool. Anyways, Hyrule Warriors Legends. I spent a lot of time on the first Hyrule Warriors, and I spent probably even more time on Warriors Legends. I really love this game, and it's a bit of a shame that it's kind of on the, uh, the lesser system, but uh, they've translated the formula admirably, and since I have a new 3DS, it does actually work on my system. It's about as close to... Hyrule Warriors proper as you can expect from a mobile entry. I love the new characters. Skull Kid especially is one that I was really hoping for in the DLC to the first game which we didn't end up getting but I was really happy to see made the cut for uh for the Legends entry and then the DLC has continued to be uh, uniformly excellent. I've loved the additional adventure maps which I've beaten all but two of I believe. Uh, I've spent a lot of time in this game Thumper is definitely something special. I don't think I'm going to be saying anything different about it than anybody else who's played it this year, but uh, it's one that uh, I've had the chance to play in VR at uh, trade shows, and I don't have VR myself either on the PlayStation or uh, on the PC, and so I was kind of missing out on uh, on the VR experience, and I, I definitely felt its absence. But if you want my full thoughts on Thumper... Uh, I did write a written review for the Canon Runes website, so you can go and check that out. Uncharted 4 was a bit divisive, but I ended up liking it a lot. Again, mostly just because I love being in those environments. As much as the game... the game was fun, but it wasn't like, you know, out-of-this-world fun. But I just had the time of my life just being in those environments, and going into photo mode, and taking pictures, and looking under every branch and every leaf, and uh, I just really enjoyed myself. And I also was very amused (laughs) by the Monkey Island references in the game. And it's uh, uh, kind of heartbreaking to see the final fate of Guybrush Threepwood. (laughs) Kentucky Route Zero Act 4 came out this year, and kind of the less that I say about this, the better. Just absolutely play it. I don't care who you are, or what kind of game you usually like, you owe it to yourself to play through Kentucky Route Zero, even though it's not finished yet. Uh, to give you an idea of the <laughs> the rate of content delivery of this particular game, uh, Act 1 came out on January 7th, 2013. It was four months later that we got Act 2 on May 31st of 2013. An entire year later, uh, 12 months, On May 6th of 2014, we got Act 3, and then we just got Act 4 this year on July 19th of 2016. That is a full 26 months later. And you'll notice that each of those intervals, four months, 12 months, and 26 months, is multiplying by three. And so if the pattern persists, we should get the next one in 78 months, or six and a half years from now, so. It might be a while until Kentucky Route Zero makes its uh, final stop, but yeah. Until then, at least we can be happy with what we have. I consider each episode to be kind of standalone ish in a way. They all reference each other, but you don't need... Uh, they don't leave cliffhangers necessarily. They're all just kind of experiences to be had, so, you know, don't be bashful about jumping in before the game is finished finished, you know? I loved Inside as much as anybody else, it's a pretty incredible feat. I wasn't a huge fan of, uh, of Limbo, you know, I liked it, but it wasn't really as special as everybody else seemed to think it was, in my opinion, um, but I was, uh, I was pretty blown away by Inside. I, I loved the animation, I loved the atmosphere, I, I like how the, just the way that the boy is animated communicates so much to the player. We also got another Dark Souls game this year <laughs> uh, and I, I love Dark Souls so much and I love Dark Souls 3 for as much controversy as this one has gotten from the Dark Souls community and as much as I can agree that the story is a little uh, ham-fisted at times and some of the references back to the first game especially are a bit on the nose for my tastes. There are so many moments that do absolutely work that one moment that everybody is thinking of when they think of Dark Souls 3 totally worked on me. Ah, uh, just magical. But as much as I love Dark Souls, it didn't make my game of the year this year, which I have to give to, and this is particularly hipster of me probably, but an indie Connect game on the Xbox One. So already that kind of limits its audience, because anybody who's gotten an Xbox One in the last couple of years or so probably doesn't have a Kinect. But for those of you who do have a Kinect, I would very, very highly recommend playing through Fru, that is F-R-U, and it is a magnificent 2D platformer. Uh, You play as this little masked person who is uh, running through the ruins of this old kingdom, and uh, the kingdom kind of exists both in the present time in which it it lays in ruins and in the past, in which it's more built up, and the way that the Kinect comes into the game is that your silhouette that you cast as a physical person <laughs> serves as a link between these two worlds. Anything that is within your silhouette takes place in the past, anything that is outside of your silhouette takes place in the present. And so there's lots of situations where, you know, there's a gap that's too long to be crossed, but there used to be a bridge there in the past, and so you have to, you know, yoga your body in such a way that you are, um, that your silhouette can cover up this gap. Uh, there's so many really, really smart puzzles, and it's really excellently paced with small, um, you know, really short rooms that uh, won't take you that long to get through. But everything about the presentation looks really lovely. It kind of reminds me of the newer Rayman games in that way. And just the way that it plays is so elegant. Uh, you control your character with either one of the thumbsticks and either one of the triggers to jump, which ends up working out really nicely because you oftentimes have to hold the controller in just one or the other hand as you're reaching out both of your arms to create a bridge or to cut through a brick wall or something um, and yeah, it's, it's it's really really special and i don't know how to uh, how to sell it properly you know it, it plays beautifully and it absolutely needs to be experienced now, there's something really special about that connection that i had with the character that I don't get from a lot of video games because my, like, physical body was being used within the game, and since the character would, like, literally run up my arm or jump off of my toe or swim through my leg or whatever because my body is a part of that world, it endears me to the character in a way that I don't often feel. It kind of gives me a lot of those same feelings that I'm reading people having uh, after playing uh, The Last Guardian, where there's just something about the communication and the differing utilities of two very differently sized beings that kind of come from two different worlds but are both kind of working towards the same goal. I don't know, it's really hard to describe that feeling, but it's a very special game, and I would highly recommend it. The only caveat that I have is that since it does require a fair amount of limberness it's not going to be physically playable by everybody which is a real shame if you don't have full mobility of your body then there might be some stages that are just not really solvable and not really doable i apologize for putting out such a hearty recommendation and then having to pull it back for some uh, percentage of the audience but uh, you know just to make sure that people don't uh, don't waste their money in a game that they're not going to be able to actually play. Um, I, I would like to kind of put out the disclaimer that the physical requirements of this game are not unreasonable, but uh, that does assume a certain amount of uninhibited mobility. So I would say to finish the game, you should be able to complete like a mild yoga session, And if that's not something that you'd be able to complete, then as much as it pains me to say it, I probably couldn't recommend Fru. But for everybody else, I would highly recommend Fru, and uh, it should definitely be one that you uh, keep your eye on. Uh, Because I think it's going to be a bit of a hidden gem because of the uh, kind of death of the Kinect. I don't think enough people are going to have the chance to play it, but really, that was my favorite game of the year, and uh, one that I am very happy to have had the opportunity to have played so yes highly highly recommended thank you everyone for joining us this year that about wraps it up for our year-end show i hope that we get to see you again in 2017 as we continue on our intrepid journey through video game history (laughs) with an entirely new 50 issue volume of games to play through have a happy new year and uh, feel free to tweet at us some of your favorite games of this year, ones that we may have overlooked in this long ramble pod. Uh, we would love to hear about some of the things that we may have completely... Uh, we would love to hear about some of the things that may have completely passed us by this year, because uh, there, there has to be lots that we just, uh, just completely flew under our radar. Anyways, until next year, take it easy.